Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. Alright, first of all, for those of you who are worried about me, I'm over my bout of COVID. Actually, it was two bouts because I took Paxlovid and I had a Paxlovid rebound. But at any rate, I am now negative and almost completely better. Still a little lingering cough, but don't worry about me. I'm okay. And this is the after show for How to Be a Couple by Naomi Ekperrigan and Andy Beckerman. As always, if you haven't listened to the table read of the pilot, go do that now. This will be a lot more fun if you've heard it. But you know what? It's fun no matter what. Naomi and Andy are great. I wish I could hang out with them all the time. If you need proof, go listen to some episodes of their long-running podcast, Couples Therapy. You know, I think the last time we had a pilot that was written by a writing team who are also a romantic couple was way back in episode three, which was Wonderland by Amanda Lund and Matt Gurley. Go back and listen to that one. That one is really funny. So uh, it was great to get into the unique dynamics of writing together while also being in a relationship and, in fact, writing about your relationship. We got into all kinds of stuff. We got into the great New York watercolor magazine wars of the early 2000s, Naomi and Andy's first project together, uh, the reality show Inside Caucasia. Uh, We talked about how to deal when your partner has a different hill they want to die on than you do, why you need to be careful who you riff with, lots more. These two are just great, and they really opened up. So enjoy my conversation with Naomi Ekperrigan and Andy Beckerman. Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. (laughs) In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Schreier. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! Naomi and Andy, not Andrew, Andy, <laughs> thank you for being here. Of course, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us, Andrew. I've been doing this deep dive on, on you guys. It's been really fun. I've been catching up on my couple's <laughs> therapy. Naomi, I watched the stand-up special, which is amazing. Oh, so um, I'm even more excited to talk to you and about this pilot. Uh, and I should say, this is you know this will air in a bit, but we're, we're, we're talking about this pilot, about an interracial couple, just on the day uh, when a Republican senator, senator said yeah. that he um, <laughs> is upset that uh, interracial marriage is legal uh, nationwide. So yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Did you think you would be uh, at this point in history again? <laughs> I know. You made that joke about like the loving act as if it's just like, ah, oh, that's all. But uh, yeah, here we are. You also have a very timely Russian oligarch uh, joke in the in the pilot. <laughs> so very, very timely. Wow. Um, yeah. So well, they are buying up a lot of this country. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, As are all oligarchs. Regardless, okay, off of oligarchs, regardless Andy. of nationality, We're oligarchs about are right the now. problem. Are oh, we all in agreement? Okay, Andrew. Andrews to keep us on task. I'm going to keep us on task. Um, 
Can we start by, I don't know the story, I'm sure you've told it many times, about how you guys met. We haven't had a lot of, like, couple writing partners on the show, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun. To, let's, I want to hear your meet cute story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating story. <laughs> Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. <laughs> okay. End well, all right, story. we covered yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New York, 2008. We met doing improv. It wasn't like we were like, let's be in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, we were just friends. We knew each other. I was attracted to you. Yes, but you certainly didn't show it. Sure. No, I was emotionally repressed. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, was... I could not show any emotion. To, sh- to have any vulnerability uh, is akin to death. Right, right. right. Pre- akin, this is pre-therapy. Akin to death, yeah, true. Akin to death. And so he... <laughs> but we were friends, and then... Oh, God. This... Well, I did before, like, you knew me i went to like you your 401 class show because when we had been in a, a thing together right and i was like oh she's cool and pretty and then i went to your class show to maybe talk to you some more and little did andy know uh andrew our my class show was me and 14 white dudes and i was not very active <laughs> on stage so after the show <laughs> When he was like, he's like, hey, I'm just like, Ugh, hi. Like, you know, like yeah, I wasn't sure. having it. Like, I did not want to engage whatsoever. 14 white dudes, everyone initiating a scene like, time for me to jerk off. Yeah, like, it was yeah, terrible. That's what those class shows were like. It was terrible. But I didn't realize at the time, yeah, you were trying to, I thought you were just like, oh, he, I thought I remember being like, he really likes improv. <laughs> he's coming to a class show. No, I loved improv, but not that much. <laughs> not enough to go to someone else's class show. <laughs> And so a 401 class for people that, that don't know. So this is your, you've been, at what level is that? Is that like the fourth level? I don't even know this shit. Yeah. Like, oh, that's really good. That's probably why you have such a quiet confidence because you've never engaged in improvisation. <laughs> yeah, have, um, no, no, I did. I did, oh. but only in college. Uh, you know, it was just a college thing. Right, me. right, right. Short Experimentation. Form? Yeah. No. Short, um, short form, yeah. Yeah, no, so yeah, it's like level, so yeah, I mean, out of the five levels, so you know, you're kind of, you're up there a little bit. I've been doing it for, I did improv in college and then came out and did some UCB. You know, I didn't really know what I was going to do. It was more like I didn't know how you performed, you know, outside of school plays and stuff. So I sort of used improv as that outlet for a minute, even though I was like, wait, I don't think I like improv because I don't like these other people talking when I'm talking. <laughs> and so I, realized I was like oh you're a stand-up like you don't want to be doing these group activities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically but we both met there we're like you were really you had just started out but you were not far you weren't like what you were one level below me yeah I was like 301 maybe yeah yeah so I had gone to do sketch I got in New York I was writing with my writing part of the time very convoluted (laughs) sketches that somehow were uh took like British Sketch and Stella, you know, like Michael Ian Black yeah. and those guys, which were already nonsensical and like <laughs> upping the ante. And so just utter nonsense that was constantly pulling the rug out from the audience. Uh, here's a tip. The audience does not like to constantly have the rug pulled out from under them. Wow. <laughs> Maybe That's once good. in a while. That's good. Maybe a twist every once in a while, but not <laughs> literally every line so that they're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and then I, because I, I thought improv was all just like, whose line is it anyway? And then I got to UCB and I'm like, oh, this is actually really great. You can do scenes and stuff. Yeah. But at right. the same time, though, you were coming at it from a different style, too, because, you know, you had left grad school. 
So I think you came at improv with a little more vim and vigor than I did as a New York City native. Who right. Was like, okay. So, I guess so we'll Naomi, jokes. you so you grew up in Harlem, correct? Yes. And then mm-hmm. Andy, where did you grow up? Reading, Pennsylvania, a town famous for pretzels and white supremacy. Nice. Okay. Yeah. You're destined to be together. <laughs> so, so you and grad school, were you like a philosophy grad student, like your character in this pilot? Or what did you go to yeah, grad school Yeah, I was a professor. For? You were a professor? Yeah, philosophy. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, you start te- at Temple. You have, I got a fellowship and then a teaching stipend. So I had to teach classes on top of that. And so I was an adjunct from my first year of grad school on until after like I left and I was still teaching to try to earn a small bit of money. By the way, adjuncts don't make much. That's part of the <laughs> script is extremely true. Sure. I was barely You know what's funny is I don't know what I don't know what order these will air in, but we um I just interviewed Lucas Hazlitt who uh, wrote uh, a yeah, pilot yeah. we did. He uh also philosophy yeah. student. So this sort of oh. philosophy department to comedy pipeline is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what's the guy's name who was on who was on wait for it people of earth N- maybe he there's an actor who's also like a philosopher yes. and he does comedy he is a he's a phd he actually has his phd well some right, of us get and out i guess now we've got that. yeah i guess we got mike sure now going sort of the other comedy to philosophy oh i saw that thing. i yeah. know i said michael Michael, you've got enough going on, okay? <laughs> and you don't need to be way, a best-selling author also. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. I, what's the scholarship level? Oh, his, wow, wow, wow. Shots fired. Let's check Andy. the bibliography before we give him any props. <laughs> Andrew, so, you're okay. trying to work. Don't be out here sh- firing shots at Mike Sherbidge. <laughs> you need a job. <laughs> Sorry. No, so, but like, okay, uh, showrunners guys- like that, right? When you challenge them, go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> so you meet at UCB and yes. and love blossoms. Yes, yes. <laughs> Eventually, yes, yes. And then, yeah. um, and then what happens? So you start, Naomi. You start doing stand up. Tell me, like, how this all kind of progresses. How it happened? Yeah. So, huh? So I tried stand up for the first time in college. So I dabbled a little bit. It wasn't really until 2007 or 2008 that I was like, okay, I'm going to like go to an open mic in the real world, you know, and give it a go. And so if Andy and I got together in 2010, you, know, you got downsized from your job in 2000, towards the end of 2012. It was 13. Right. So that's when it popped off. And but, that's when you actually started doing stand up for real. Well, so basically what it was, was that. You know, I'm dabbling, trying stuff. I didn't, I never understood how it became an actual, how you got paid to do it. You know, like I remember asking comics who were further along. I was like, so how do you get money for comedy? And they were just like, uh, keep doing what you're doing. And so. They had you like one of those domino masks and like <laughs> an empty sack with a dollar sign on it. Exactly. And they just point to a bank. <laughs> like, That's what we do. And so then. So, you know, it took a few years. I guess what I'm saying is like sort of like when we got together too, like we were both kind of just like baby comedians figuring out how we were going to navigate this part of the business, you know, the actual performing and creative side of it. And 
then yes, I was. I had a day job. I worked at an art magazine. I would, you know, sometimes I would write my own stuff at work. I would just pull up a Word document and write my own stuff in a smaller font. So if you were walking by as my boss, you wouldn't realize that I wasn't doing my job. You know? <laughs> Did you get really good at like what is it? Command tab minimizing. You mean command tab goes from one. I got very good at going from <laughs> like if I was goofing around at work or if I was writing like you did in the word doc, I, I got very good. I think it's command tab or whatever. And going between. And it goes and immediately goes to whatever the next the next. Oh, see, window no, is. I was much more like small. So that way, if you're walking by, making sure my my screen was tilted just so. And then when I was like blogging, I learned how to do HTML so that I could blo- I could write everything in a Word doc and then just copy and paste into the right. <laughs> into the website. You know, when I was like trying to do all that, so that was basically it. And then when I got laid off in 2013, it was it was 2013. It was it was the it start was of January 2013. Yeah. I remember because I came back from a holiday break and was like, "Yes, baby," and they were like, "You ain't got no job." <laughs> and, <laughs> I was like, oops. Yeah, the two only watercolor magazines in the world merged into one. Yeah, and so one of us had to go. One of us had to go. I was the editor of Watercolor American Artist Watercolor Magazine, and we were purchased by Watercolor Artist, our rivals. (laughs) Now that's a TV show. Yeah. Two watercolor magazines that are vying for the top of the market it's just such high stakes so did <laughs> this job the job in this pilot that your character has is that a job yes. where that you had at some point do you do you know asl is that yes 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 so my first job out of college was an actor with the national theater of the deaf which is based in connecticut uh near where i went to college and i had learned i was like first long road of learning sign language either way like i learned asl at a youngest age at a young age and i had worked at a camp for deaf children and so that was my first job and then when i finished working with the national theater of the deaf you know i come back to new york and i'm like okay what do i do now and so i was an interpreter for a high school student and so a lot of that was ripped from the headlines of my life <laughs> which was that that was a very you know People don't tell you, like, when you're an interpreter, man, you are in it. You are in it. Like, you are in this person's life. You are their voice. You are their conduit. And some people do not want you there. Like, like she was a high schooler who was just like, you are making me look bad. You're drawing attention. You're ruining the vibe. You know what I mean? Like, she was like, I'm cute and young and I want to flirt. And I was like, no, I can't let you do that. We have to do math right now. (laughs) It's it's such an amazing detail. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a job I've never seen in a pilot. And obviously it's because it's just real. Is this something you did? Um, the watercolor magazine job would also be amazing in, in a pilot. So Again, you get two of them vying for supremacy. Yes. So you're a victim of this big watercolor magazine merger. So you're out yeah. of a job and that's when you step things up. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy wise. Yes, definitely. You know, now I have no reason to not perform because I don't have anywhere to be in the morning. But that also ushered me in, you know, what, five months, six months after that is when I got hired as a writer's assistant on Broad City. So it all kind of worked out. I was luckily not on unemployment too long until I found that gig. And and that's what got me into the writing world because, you know, you 
Andy, you were like, oh, I want to be a TV writer. I want to be a showrunner. And I remember being like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure it can happen. Mm -hmm. And we were in New York where there weren't a lot of writing jobs outside of late night anyway. Right. So we didn't really even know, you know, Broad City, you know, happened to come at the right time. And I was... and I was lucky enough to be in the orbit of that at the right time. You know what I mean? Well, you're friends with Alana. Yeah, but I mean, lucky enough. Like, I mean, it's not like I was like, ooh, I hear you got a show coming. Like, I knew her at the time that the show was coming up. But it's like. Say that like Mae West. How? <laughs> ooh, I hear you got a show coming up. Ooh, I hear you got a show coming up. <laughs> so uh, you were a writer's assistant, but then also. Staff wrote writer. on Broad City, staff writer yeah. on Broad City, because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it feels like there's some Broad City sort of DNA in in this in How to Be a Couple. Would you agree? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that's because we did it with Comedy Central. Yeah. Right. And they were a lot of the notes were kind of like in that direction, and I w- I was always like, yeah, there's a core of this show that I want to do. And as long as the core isn't touched, I'm okay taking these notes. They're, like, not bad in my mind. Yeah. Like, some of the tone stuff. Like, if we had our druthers, I think it probably would have been a lot more down to earth. I think if we had our druthers, it would have been more catastrophe, less Broad City. Yeah. Interesting. Have you seen that one? Have you seen Catastrophe? Oh, yeah. Sharon Uh, Morgan, Rob Delaney. Yes, of course. I love Catastrophe. I mean, I love both those shows, but you're right. The tones are extremely different. Um, yeah. So, so you're saying you were getting notes from Comedy Central that was steering you towards making this more of a Broad City vibe? I don't know if I'd say like a Broad City vibe. I just think that like Comedy Central has a certain vibe of what they want. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that Broad City is, is firmly within those boundaries. I, I also think, though, for instance, when we say that tone is right in this pilot, the characters, you know, are trying to get this apartment. And so right. that sort of we are on the hunt for something or we are on this quest. There's I a think MacGuffin. It's an adult quest, right? It's a slightly elevated Broad City quest in a way that I, at least that's what I think of it as. Um, and that's also probably because of three seasons on that show. That's, you know, I doubt um that was their intention when they were giving us those notes, but that's what it felt like to me to be on this quest. And what are we going to do? And it's not going to be as um, silly, but certainly we are going to do things on this quest that are a little less grounded, you know, like going to a landlord and waiting for them outside and possibly terrifying them. Yes. Silly, (laughs) not sweaty. Yes. Silly, not sweaty. (laughs) Silly, not sweaty. That, that's on the post-it note on the computer <laughs> as you're writing. Yep. Yeah, I think that was the line we were trying to tread. <laughs> so, okay, backing up. So was this the first thing you two wrote as a, as a team together? Or you know, what was the first sort of collaboration? I mean, I mean, the podcast, when does the podcast enter the picture? And just sort of, you know, tell me After, about like the yeah. history of your collaboration. Um, I would say that... The first thing was inside Caucasia. So we sold the refinery 29 sketches after. Okay. Yes. So inside Caucasia. I think 2017, 16. No. When did we move out here? Anyway. Yes. So inside (laughs) Caucasia was a show we sold to true TV. That was a comedic travelogue. (laughs) I I was going to say a disaster. Oh, disaster. (laughs) <laughs> and I was to explain the was title a, of Inside Caucasia. It was a, a long That's not pause. a log line. 
a long pause. It was a, a, a comedic travelogue. Basically, the story is that like Naomi would come with me to like indie comic book conventions or like an indie rock show or something. Look around and be like, <laughs> I think I'm the only black person here. And we got this idea for her to go into white space. This is pre-Trump. So yes, before yes, yes, yes. <laughs> white, white spaces were dangerous, right? <laughs> they were just like passive aggressive at that point. They weren't like pointedly um, knives out. <laughs> but like the idea was she goes into these white spaces and reports back as if these white spaces are exotic, right? right? Right. It's always because it's always in these like travel logs. It's always like some white anthropologist going into like Africa or something like that, or Malaysia or wherever. Right, right, like, right. Like, oh, aren't these people so weird? And we turned it on its head, except yeah. for the fact that like everyone above us was white and didn't understand it, even if they bought the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that was our first time. It's interesting because I will say, um, and this is something we've talked about a lot in our own, our podcast couples therapy, our literal couples therapy. Um, Andy was someone who was much more accustomed to and excited by collaboration with people he is close to, his friends, you know, being in bands, being in a sketch duo, you know, he's used to working with people. And, you know, as I, as I think I've made pretty clear, you know, I'm a little self-centered. And so <laughs> it took us some, I think something we still deal with, it's like, we both find the other funny. Mm -hmm. We are around each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Inevitably, we will hit a point. There'll be an idea where it's like, it's ours. You know what I mean? It's a shared idea. Certainly, in the case of how to be a couple, it is about the relationship. But just in general, we'll do these things where it's like, all right, come on, we got to do it together. There's like no, there's no one else. There's no better way. Um, well, I think also as we've both gotten busier, that the appeal of working together has lessened. For uh -huh. me, at least, I know it's a, uh -huh, uh -huh, be, uh -huh. not because, but because we are around each other a lot, and yeah. like I think both of us, like our primary thing is to protect our relationship, yes, as opposed to make a TV show, yes, definitely. <laughs> but it, but I think the thing was is like, you know, I'm someone who I think I have the voice for comedy, but I certainly don't feel like I have the structure. I'm also someone who I feel like I have ideas, but I get very easily discouraged in the process. And I feel as though Andy is somebody who, he's got, first of all, this encyclopedic knowledge of all this kind of stuff, and he knows how to just like keep at it, keep at it, and sort of, you know, he can remove that emotional layer. Cause I mean, when I'm writing, I'm like, you're a fool, you're a fool, no one will ever love you, you know? <laughs> and he's like, well, why don't we kind of treat this almost like the puzzle that part of this is? And so well, to me, you think not? No, I think it is. I th I think the emotional layer is is there a lot. There's a lot of insecurity, and there's a lot of like this thing I'm writing is shitty, and I it doesn't come out in like words, but it mm -hmm. comes out in like a lack of inertia, or an inability to overcome the inertia, inertia yeah. and an inability to. Because I th I my brain wants to be like you know I was raised um, in a like a household that like expected a lot of me. I was a, like a straight A student. I got scholarships to undergrad. I got scholarships to uh, right. grad you were the school. Good kid. I, you know, I want my my stickers. I want my <laughs> gold stars. <laughs> and so when the first draft, like everyone's first draft, not everyone, but like I would say, like probably ninety nine percent of first drafts are shitty. And you're like, you have to like write the like bold face thing before you can like tuck the emotions under something uh -huh, and tuck uh -huh. it like you have them saying the things as opposed to like what a normal human would say 
to and then you have to like tuck it under and you have to find like a witty way of saying it uh -huh. that like that seems like what a person might say in that instant but like obviously like a wittier version of doing that and when it doesn't immediately come out like that mm -hmm. it's i'm just full of like discouraged feelings and insecurities and it like i've been writing this one pilot now for like months now because it's like the most kind of realistic writing i've ever done and it's almost like grounded Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I'm really have to like, like tell myself it's okay that this draft. Like I go back and every night, I, you know, I I work on the jokes a little more just to make it a little funnier than it is. But like, I have I really is a like process like, and I'm dealing with it in therapy too of like being confident enough to get through those the emotions. And again, it doesn't come out verbally. It just comes out in this kind of like paralysis. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, so <sighs> I don't know if if that's true it's just that i think maybe like when i have i may have more energy i'm not depressed like you are why you gotta bring this to andrew well, okay we up here doing a podcast and then you say i'm not depressed like you are and it's like we are why over do here doing a podcast I, I paused halfway through that word yeah but you didn't you finished it because i was finished like because my brain went uh do i do i go i mean it's, she says it publicly it's not like this is a secret but like oh so i don't have the oh extra where you have to like also manufacture the serotonin. We have to pivot now. Andrew, I'm sure you have another question about process. <laughs> I mean, look, everything you just, I wasn't buying it at all when Naomi was describing you as like without insecurity about writing. Because that's just like, come on, that's just uh, doesn't exist. Um, and everything you just described is the way, you know, the only thing I would take issue with as you said 99% of rough drafts are bad but I would say 100% of, of rough drafts <laughs> are, are bad um, yeah. I want to hedge but it best. sounds like <laughs> it does it does sound like when you're writing together if if Naomi is more that has has more doubt you can play the role of having more confidence than you might otherwise be because you're sort of Put into that role in the couple. Do you know? Is mm -hmm. that is that true? Yeah. Like, you know, often, you know, if if one partner is feeling something intensely, it automatically makes the other. You know, if one partner's really scared, the other partner tends to not be scared because that's just how relationships. Work. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's true. I, sorry, I said right. Yeah, correct. I was going to say correct yeah. and right. It, it's correct and right. My it's brain right. could not decide it's which right. word it wanted. No, it's right, and I agree. So, so what? It, so, inside Caucasia sounds like it's not like you guys sitting down and structuring a, a pilot script. It's a different thing, right? It's it's mm -hmm. more of yeah. a sort of man on the street, woman on the mm -hmm. person on the street kind of show. Um, uh, was how to be a couple the first, you know, just half narrative, hour yeah. structured yeah. narrative pilot you guys wrote together? And so, what did that process? look like like you know how did you yeah. guys find find yourselves working together who did what who was at the yeah. keyboard who you know paint the picture well we had a supervising producer annie mebbin who's worked on a bunch of great shows mm -hmm. and we sat around and kind of like blue skied it with her yeah, because this is like basically once, you know, because obviously we had our pitch and we had the idea for the pilot to be uh, a part, an apartment hunt. Yeah, they're moving it together. Yeah, but, you know, we didn't quite know. Like, initially it was like, for me, I love the idea of a move-in day. Like, the pilot is all that, you know, just one day of all the insanity that happens in that and you're meeting their friends who help them move and seeing the dynamic. And then, you know, we obviously thought, okay, let's widen it out a bit, see a little more of the world outside of just them well i think what it was was that like because that to me is more of the like 
kind of grounded feeling we wanted. Yeah. But to trust two people who have never written a for written a pilot for someone else. Obviously, we've written a bunch of stuff at, yeah. before then. To have you them trust you to do that. Again, it was like a British style in our minds, like Catastrophe. That was really the thing we wanted to make, our version of Catastrophe. And there's no narrative thrust. You just have yeah. to trust us that we're going to make something funny and engaging and that it's going to be engaging for 22 minutes. And that's my new thing, Andrew. I refuse to write now with jokes in it. I will not <laughs> give you jokes until I'm at script. This is my new thing, and I'm going to see who's going to let me do it. Right now, Hulu is kind of letting me do it in my <laughs> script I'm writing because it just feels like I find there to be an extra layer of pressure to writing Here's my story, and now here's how it's so funny. You know whatever joke they see now is going to be gone by the time you get to, like, the last <laughs> draft because they're going to be like, it doesn't feel fresh. But I'm like, why am I even losing my mind trying to write all these jokes? I might as well just say, this is. do you like this story? Do you like this area? Do you like this movement? And now we'll make it funny. Mm-hmm. But totally. to answer your question about who did who did what but i think also too i'm like i think i can kind of only get away with that even a little bit one with a place like hulu that's not as that gives you a little kind of like cably streaming leeway and also you know i think i'm now a little more established as a stand-up that that people might be more inclined to trust me right when i say it will be funny in a way that i don't (laughs) think they would have when we were doing this yeah yeah and then but the way we would do it of course like we broke up our storyline so basically i wrote all the natalie stuff andy wrote the sam stuff and then we would you know give each other the drafts right and so then i would look at his scenes and i would be like for instance you know i might pitch an alt on a joke or i'd be like oh what if he does that here and then you would do the same thing for me yeah well i started we every one back of and forth. i started every one of Na- uh, naomi's lines every one of natalie's lines with girl yeah. and so <laughs> naomi took those out Oh, but you kept so someone you, in. I'm just hold on, oh, hold on. Just for everyone who's listening, that was a, I was kidding. I did no, not but like actually also, do that. That is me. I will say that is very interesting. Like when you learn, like Andy knows my voice, and it was at times eerie to read someone write me in a way where I was like, "He nailed it. He's got my number. He's got my number." <laughs> in these scenes, girl, give me that breakfast pasta. Exactly, girl, give me that breakfast pasta. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> but yeah, um, so, so we, yeah, when you I say you wrote the storylines, but you, the storyline. So you're saying that like if there's a Natalie scene with her mom, then Naomi, you yeah. write that, and Sam, if there's a scene with with Miriam, the professor, you would write that. Mm-hmm. But you're not. But, but when you have scenes together, when the characters of of Natalie and Sam had scenes together, are you know how are those scenes written? Are you guys sort of improvising those? Are you writing those together, or is someone taking a crack at those those scenes first? I feel like, if I remember correctly, we would talk it through a lot in this kind of improvising way, right? Like, we would just to kind of come up with little lines or sort of what's what's the vibe of this. Like, I just remember things specifically about, you know, we would, like, I remember there's that scene where you're doing, you're in the laundromat and I'm at home and how you were like, and we were just like joking about how it was like when you don't have enough quarters, so then you just wash everything in one <laughs> load of laundry. That came out in conversation, right? Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to sit down and write this funny joke. It was like, okay what was what what was that experience like you know yes and before we had laundry in unit you know andrew right. the early days before you have laundry in unit and you just have love <laughs> you know when you what have will to you do? walk across the street to the polish laundromat <laughs> jam all your clothes in just hope it doesn't break um 
Yeah, so I definitely think there was like some improv in there, just coming up with lines. But it was also different too because it was like Sam was meant to, you know, is Andy, but ultimately it wasn't really certain whether Andy was even going to play Sam. And oh, then it, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. I like. I wasn't thinking I wanted to, and then. My ego got the best of me. And I, well, that was around when corporate was first came out. And I'm like, if Jake can play himself, <laughs> I can play myself. I'm as good as Jake is. Andrew, oh my God. You're telling Andrew the exact thoughts you had. You're the exact, telling the exact yeah, thoughts you had. I, I don't know, because I'm over it. I love I'm over like, my own neuroses now. <laughs> yeah, but no, I thought that. And then, do you, can I say? Yeah. Yeah, and then Naomi was talking to Alana, and Alana's like, you only get a couple asks, so you have to really be sure that you want Andy to play himself and that they're going to grant that because you're not going to get a lot of, like, favors. And I really had to, like, have, a, like, a maybe not a dark night of the soul, but, like, <laughs> a dark 15 minutes of the soul <laughs> where I, like, was like, could I really do this? I'm not an actor. <laughs> so do I really, really want to, like try to do this and then really have to like you know get into Meisner or whatever Meisner get into I like that that's your do I have to get into Meisner if I'm gonna play myself in this pilot all these mirror exercises just to play myself but like I had to like really think through like would I be good at this and if not why don't I let someone who is like a really good comedic actor take over like do that and so i was like all right i'm not this is not my hill to die on yeah but, but okay and so you you came down and on the side of you were gonna have an actor play that part yeah yeah <laughs> it was like it was tough in the time because i really was like i want to try to make a name for myself and then i'm like but i'm not an actor i can do like like i think i was like a pretty good voice actor in in this and like i've done other like voice acting stuff where i think i'm good but like as a physical actor, I don't think I have. I think I'm like too aware that I look gross. Um, <laughs> I don't really mean that, but I'm like I'm just too too aware. Yeah, self conscious. I'm too self conscious. Yeah. I'm too like aware of my body. I get it. Totally and get it's it. a lot. I mean, had this gone, it's just, it's so much to just be you know theoretically you're running the show, but maybe with us maybe mm -hmm. with another showrunner they probably would have brought on given that you guys hadn't run a show before but you'd still like there'd be so much to do plus actually being in it i mean yes. that's all that's that's a lot hey here's an idea instead of re-watching the same old sitcoms and movies you've seen a hundred times why not try something new with curiosity stream now, let me tell you I'm going to get to this in a second, but Curiosity Stream is the best deal in streaming. They have 35 curated collections handpicked by a team of experts to make sure only the highest quality content is on their site. We're talking films on topics like history, technology, science, nature, society, lifestyle, kids. There are thousands of award-winning documentaries and nonfiction. TV shows for you to explore. Uh, there's Planet of Treasures with Sir Christopher Clarke, which explores the places of special beauty that were created by humans. There's Engineering the Future, 
which follows the individuals building extraordinary machines that will change our lives. Uh, any Nick Offerman fans out there, you can check out The History of Home with Nick Offerman, which explores the past, present, and future of homes. The, I'll tell you what I just added to my queue, which I'm excited to watch, is The Great Film Composers, uh, a documentary about just that. And then maybe after that, I was uh, thinking Secrets of Your Airline Food. You know there's going to be some just great uh, cocktail party conversation out of that one now that maybe cocktail parties are a thing again there's so much so much inspiration on curiosity stream and they really do have one of the best deals out there right now curiosity stream is offering a full year's subscription for just $14.99 $14.99 with code dead pilots now i don't know if you heard me right that's not monthly that's a year a year's subscription for just $14.99 with code DEADPILOTS. So go to Curiosity Stream, enter DEADPILOTS. Come on, $14.99. I guarantee you there's gonna be, you're gonna go through and you're gonna find some cool stuff that's gonna inspire you. Any writers out there looking for some inspiration? Go to Curiosity Stream and use code DEADPILOTS. You're in a theater, the lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast, Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. Naomi, as a stand-up, you basically, you're creating a character, right? It's probably why mm-hmm. Andy was able to write lines for you, that just shows you're a good stand-up, right? You've got a you've got a voice. It's why people Thank used to like so be able to <laughs> be able to write jokes for stand-ups. Like that was a business. Like oh yeah, because I know what Milton Berle sounds like or right, whoever. Right, you know, right, like, right. There, they've got a voice. I can write jokes to that. That yeah. means when, you've succeeded I first as a met, stand-up. But, when we first met, I wrote a bunch of jokes on a napkin and handed it to her. Yeah, yep, and that's and how we like, became. You've romantic. got my heart. That's how we became romantic. <laughs> So what you, were you, gonna you, know, you spent. I'm just saying you spent time creating a character. I'm not creating a character, but thinking of yourself as a com- comic character. You know, that's yes. how you. That's what a stand-up does. So you've got that built in. You know what this, um, what Natalie's voice is, and and mm-hmm. what that that character is developed, right? And I mean, yes. it's the same to you know. You know, maybe to a slightly lesser extent with Sam, only because Andy, you haven't been out there doing stand-up about yourself right or did you yeah. feel like that you really knew like okay I, I know what the comic aspects of myself are that's gonna that are gonna go into the this character of Sam yeah I think the thing is about Naomi is that she is relatively herself on stage I say that like she's herself with just more energy mm-hmm. and so like it's not like her public persona is wildly different from her private persona and in the same thing like when I'm on a podcast or performing improv or something like that, I think the things that make me funny are not much different there than the things that make me funny when Naomi and I are just like sitting on the couch making fun of House Hunters International. 
But I think that the <laughs> thing is, and this was part of kind of, you know, as we said, learning to work together, but also us as lovers and us as like commodity, us as performers. You know, I think one of the main reasons I was pretty adamant about Andy not playing Sam was as he said, not an actor. So I said, let's not tank this. <laughs> but also, it was like, you know, it. I, I imagined it would get very tricky to start to, like, play ourselves. You know what I mean? And sort of make it the business of, make the relationship the business. And we even kind of dipped a little bit into that with the podcast, but it doesn't have that same performative, you know, bent obviously of being like the characters of ourselves and so i think it's like first i think for instance in the process of writing it sometimes the friction would come where i was like i don't think that works but then it would come off and for both of us not just for not just me saying to you but like we'd be like oh something doesn't work but then you almost feel like it's a personal attack right if you're like that Mm. joke doesn't work it's like you're saying i'm not funny and it's like nah i just don't know if that's going to be as funny to an outsider as it is, I mean, especially with us, right? Like, there are things that Andy and I both think are hysterical after 12 years together that someone else is like, I do not get it, and I don't know why you're laughing. And so, you know, having to take that critical eye towards ourselves and our dynamic is something that, you know, I don't want to have to do too often. If I can help it. Well, that's why we named the characters differently. It's our last names, but we wanted different last names. Yeah, we wanted different first names because so we stupid. wanted to be able to make them different from us. Like I, th- I think that like I, well, I wonder if like Abby and Alana got they played some version of themselves, even if it's not themselves. Well, I mean, that's the thing I did. You know, I worked I worked on Broad City. I worked very little bit on Difficult People. You know, both shows where the people are playing that version of themselves. And then, um, you know, sometimes just being like, okay, well, would I, the real person, do this thing? No. So then you wonder, well, can I, the character, do that thing? Because now I'm betraying who I'm saying I am. And I think what I really wanted or thought would serve us long term was to just have that sense that, okay, these characters can do something that we wouldn't normally do in our lives, you know, and we don't have to feel like we're uh, lying or misrepresenting who we are. Yeah, it seems like you have to do that. Otherwise, you're so limited. Um, You know, it's what Larry David does. It's what everyone, you know, who does these kind of things. You have to do that. It has to be a character, you know, inspired by you. But you know, it's hard enough to come up with stories and, and you know, situations and storylines at work if, if you're hamstrung by, but I would never do this in real life. Then yeah. you've just you've, you've made your job so much harder for no good reason because no one knows you as well as you do. So they'll just accept, OK, this is a character. Yeah. Yeah. But also to me, I'm like, but that's why I'm like, don't name it after yourself. It just makes it hard. Like we're just sitting here talking and it was just, you know, be like, and then Naomi and Andy will do this thing. And it's like, oh, gross. yeah, it's, it's really weird to refer to yourself in third person. It's not good for the psyche. <laughs> right. It's not good for so the psyche. there wasn't a part of it that you just wanted an actor just Naomi just for like a free pass to make out with someone else. <laughs> that didn't play into <laughs> No, it didn't, Andrew. Um, I am sex negative. Okay. Okay, So I don't really want to engage in (laughs) kissing with anyone, really. So (laughs) then. 
So how much of this, you said like in the little interview we did, you didn't want it to be, it's a it's a comedy about an interracial couple, but it's like the, the, the interracial aspect is not really what it was about. But right. was were you getting the sense that that was kind of a hook that Comedy Central was, was buying into and wanting to, the, no. They just, I don't think so. No. No, they knew uh, us. Like we had, we had been friendly with a lot of the executives at Comedy Central before this. And they knew Naomi certainly as a stand-up, but they also like had been to like couples therapy shows because we started couples therapy as a stand-up show in like what 2014 and yeah, 2014, 2015, yeah. And they knew us as people, so I don't think like that was ever. Uh, yeah, no, they were great. I don't think that was ever like a question. But most certainly, you know, as people, you know, we pitched this show to 14 places, <laughs> Andrew. Okay, <laughs> and when I tell you that for a lot of them, yes, that's what they wanted it to be. You know, and of course it was like, well, how does you how does you guys being interracial affect the relationship? You know, what are the stories around that? You know, and it's like, you know, in the moment of a pitch, you like try to come up with something, you know, a little razzle dazzle just to make up. But it's like, no, she wears a yarmulke bra. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's great is that there's, it, it's not the focus of it, but then there's like that caucasity of hope line, which is just such a great line and so it's in there like it's in there in that line yes. that's just a joke it's just like a specific joke that, that that says a lot about the differences and you know the situation of mm-hmm. you can do this you know yes. by nature of being white and i can't but but that's it it's a, it's a joke it's it's not story yes yeah i think that's the the difference where like we're not ignorant of the fact that there are racial differences and therefore like power differentials Right. But that it is not the like focus like like I don't know uh, anything about head wraps or like shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, that, and I think that's exactly how I've always wanted it to be. And I think that was something, for instance, for me, that was so important as someone who grew up, you know, it's like I, you never saw you didn't see many interracial relationships on television. And when you did, it was about that. And it was about right. the problem of it. It was the guess who's coming to dinner of it all. And it was like, can we, can we still acknowledge that there are differences without that being the um, crux of the conflict? You know? Uh, and I just kept being like, come on, guys. Isn't that fun and novel and different? And then executives <laughs> were like, no. And then <laughs> Comedy Central. You know, I think it did help, of course. You know, I'd done my first half hour with them. And most of that Comedy Central half hour is about me and my Jubu. So it's like, to me, I felt like, okay, well, you almost have, you have a proof of concept that these, the things around this are funny because you've seen it, you put it up. So I'm not surprised that ultimately they were the home for it. Yeah. Because they did seem to know what we were about even before. Right. So that they were okay with it being, it's texture rather than story. It's not like the stories are being driven yeah. by, they wouldn't let us into this restaurant because we're an interracial <laughs> like it's not the situations aren't based oh my god on let's it, write that let's write that's that a, that's actually a pretty funny premise though <laughs> like what restaurant in 2021 where are you going <laughs> or when was this set i know yeah. like, like, we 20? do this 2019 it, well, well what's funny is i i did i can't i can't name the pre- I, I got a pilot submitted an old dead pilot that's pretty old it's like 2014 maybe and maybe it's even older big name writer and it's about an interracial couple but it was literally like every scene was just like people just strangers 
just making comments and uh, about <laughs> that. So and weird. it was like, I, we can't read this. Like, this is insane. Like, yeah. this, none yeah, of this yeah, yeah. feels like something that would ever happen. Um, yeah. But it wasn't yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. from the 50s. You know, right, it wasn't that right. long ago. And I don't know if it was just the pilot at the time it was written that this was realistic at all. But it just felt like this is crazy. This is not yeah. what would happen to an interracial couple. Like, you know, that, that every scene is just like, ooh, like, are you the <laughs> nanny? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> Um, was know. it a Dukes of Hazard spinoff? <laughs> what I one of the things I love about this pilot is just the 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 breadth of references that you guys have. So it goes from like Great Gardens to Ayanla to Heidegger to, um, and it's just a really fun thing that it just seems like you guys just wrote, you know. Your reference points, which are just very unique to, to you guys, and you didn't worry, like, is anyone, you know, is the audience going to know all of these, <laughs> understand all of these things, which is great, which I think a lot of writers shy away from. Um, but huh. it made it feel very much true to yourselves. We definitely felt like that had to happen. I mean, you know that feeling when you, you know, you get a project kind of far, right? Or as far, you know, like someone that kind of sells it. And like, we always said, and we said this thing with Inside Caucasia, where we were like, if we fail, we fail on our terms, meaning they turn us down for who we are and yeah. not who we pretended to be. Exactly, right? So the the things like I'm protecting the core of what the show is about, right? And we're gonna talk, we're gonna make the, within the tone that they want, which I think is negotiable, like when yeah. you sell someone a show, yeah, right? Within that, we're gonna do the thing we wanna do. And if you don't wanna pick it up, at least we, we didn't try to like second guess and and think what do they want or what does an audience want, right? Or like, will a Comedy Central audience get this reference? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like it's why, for instance, like we did want to share it with the with your podcast and with people because it's like it still does stand. Like we stand by what that what that script is, right? Even though um, it went through its development process, which you know is dark, dark, dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's right. And how dark was that development process? It doesn't sound like it was awful. <laughs> I mean, as no, 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 no. It, it wasn't, but it was just like, it's interesting because it's also like, you know, when you get something, someone likes something you do and you're trying to do it, and something I'm still learning is, you know, at what point do you stop taking a note? At what point do you push back? And I certainly think you and I, you know, of course, we're in these things like where you're like, I just want them to like me. You know, you know, it's just as important to be good to work with as it is to be good. You know, so it's like we want it to be in some cases more, important. more important to be yeah. good to work with. Like we we want it to be like so agreeable. You know what I mean? And we want it to be so like, uh huh, we'll do that. We'll do that. Whatever you say. And you know, you reach a point where it's like you can't, you have too much of it, and it's like no longer the thing you're. You wanted it to be obviously that's like the the um, worst case scenario. But then too much, and then suddenly you're like kind of doing a homework assignment where you're just like, okay, where do I go put in the things that the person wants who sent me that email, even if <laughs> I don't agree with it? And well, that's were, something I'm still learning. Yeah, I still don't know. There were times where we'd get notes, and I would like be really angry, and then I would like <laughs> stop for a moment. I remember one time there was a note where I'm like, this is not a I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do with this note. And it seemed like it was a pretty like serious note. And I went and saw a film and then I came back and I'm like, Oh, I know how to do this. Huh. 
I know what to do to to make to like find a way to put this note into the thing we want to do and have it not clash. I don't remember remember what what movie it was. I know which not the Los Feliz three was the other one that shut down and then Quentin Tarantino bought it. The Vista. It was there. (laughs) I was was going to say, like, was there a magic movie that like helped you crack a note? Because I need to be watching that movie. It just distracted my brain. You just had to step away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I've, I mean, I haven't learned a ton. Yeah, exactly. What I say, if I'm working with writers, we get a note. We're all, you know, everyone's mad. Just like, don't even think, deal with it tomorrow. Just don't even think about it today. Which doesn't mean you're not thinking about it, but you're right. You're background processing it, and you're too angry in the moment to do anything <laughs> worthwhile. But by the next day, often it's just like, oh, okay, I think I know how to how to do this. Yeah. You got to get yeah. past yeah. that anger. Yeah, I think it is about like, what are the hills you're going to die on? All right, and if it is something that destroys the integrity of the show, then I think you should push back on it. I agree, but I'm also like, what's the integrity of the show when it's not a show yet? I think I have a trouble being uh, what's the, conceptual and sort of theoretical, and there's a part of me that's a little like, like I think when we talk about these hills, learning, what are the, when we say hills you're willing to die on, in the case of me and Andy, it was like the hills that we are willing to die on. And so if he's got a hill that he's, he's going to die on that I'm like, I think we should just go around this hill. I have to for the sake of our relationship. Like, that's now my hill, too. And so learning, you know, being like, so a lot of times, you know, if we received a note and we were sort of, Rob was like, and I think whereas, you know, sometimes you can take a pause. Like, recently we were talking, we're pitching something where, and Andy, like, writes to me because, you know, it's over a Zoom, and he's like, please do not pitch on this idea. Because basically they were suggesting an idea, and me, I'm like, okay, we can do this, and we can do this. He goes, please don't give them ideas. What, just a nod, and we're going to talk about it when we get off the Zoom. And so learning that kind of us as a unit, right? Like what is what is our process? And kind of, you know, when we agree to work together, it is like there's what we hear, and then we need to confer. And then we might get into it because I'll be like, well, that's not a big deal or I don't mind. Yeah. And then we have to kind of reach a point. And then once we reach a point, we figure out how to work on the thing. Yeah. I think we're both people pleasy, but in different ways. And so there are things where you'll want to be people pleasy and I'll be like, hold on. And then I'll <laughs> want to be people pleasy in another direction. And you'll be like, wait up. I think it depends on the person. Like me, I want everyone to like me and you only need like. 20% of the people to like you. Sure. <laughs> no, like, I want 20, everyone to like me, but I, yeah. That 20% is going to really 20%. like you, though. So yeah. after really this. Really like you. What, um, so how did this one end? Like, what was the, I mean, I know how it ended because you're here on Dead Pilot Society, but do you yeah. remember sort of yeah. what they said and did you get any reason? Feedback? Or did, no. was it just like. I, was it just yeah. an email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just said, yeah, they passed. You know, just got a phone call that they passed. Oh, it was a phone call? Yeah, and, uh, you know, and that was that. And then, of course, you know, you have those moments where you're like, well, maybe we can do something with it and, you know, adjust it. I do think, again, because it did have that uh, Comedy Central, I think, overtone. It's like, is there a world where you tweak it, you know, and for something else? And it's funny because in reading it over again in this process, I was like, this was funny. Oh, I did like this. But we also felt like 
even when we were doing it, we were on the cusp of being a little too old. Or rather, I was on the cusp of being a little too old <laughs> to play this character now. Naomi, there are 30-year-olds playing teenagers on Euphoria. <laughs> I don't think you have anything to worry about. I yeah. know, but it's like I give off 74-year-old energy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like these Euphoria 30-year-olds are like young and hip and fit. And but like that's part of the character. more likely to think that I'm... <laughs> that's the character, yeah, right? I mean, so. it's what you do in your stand-up. You've been an old soul, like your whole. That's the character, right? So it, it, yes, it could work yes. because that's just that plays into the character. What, yeah. what have Naomi's you guys? Nickname is Grandmom's Mabley. Grandmom's Mabley. <laughs> what have you guys written together since this? We have developed a bunch of stuff together since this. And we did. I don't remember. Well, I don't want to say. Stuff. It's stuff oh, yeah, we are yeah, yeah, actively yeah. like okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. developing at the moment. But I think we had, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have one thing right now, but I will say in the case of this, you know, this is something where Andrew really will be the writer. No, I was thinking of the other thing. Oh. <laughs> Which okay. we are. We are developing another thing together. And then there's another thing we are doing where I'm writing it and Naomi and some other people are starring in it. I think it's been, and particularly, you know, after COVID, I think for me, it was just really like, we got to protect the relationship and we've got to do what we can to not strike out on our own. That feels a little too dramatic, but just make sure because we are so different, right? Like our, our reference points, our approaches to comedy are very different. And so I'm always, it's also like equally important for each of us to make sure that we're getting to tell the stories the way we want to tell them. You know, they can't all be a compromise. Um, and so for a while it was like, okay, you do you, I'm going to do, do my thing. But then, of course, again, as you say, you're, you're with somebody and you just start riffing, man. You just, you got to be careful who you riff with, Andrew. <laughs> be careful who you riff with because you be riffing. And next thing you know, you're out here pitching. Use protection <laughs> when you're riffing. Use protection <laughs> when you're riffing. Well, you're also doing, I mean, the podcast you do together, obviously you're going to be riffing together because you do this, you do a podcast together, right? So, and it seems like this, this comedy team of the two of you, I mean, it must be something that you continue to think of like, okay, how can we find another version of how to be a couple that's about this relationship? I mean, is it something that you're still wanting to do or no? I've always thought about doing how to be a couple again but like back to basics again doing something in the realm of catastrophe where it's very realistic and grounded and uh and really about like because the log line is what is it a a an interracial couple in a polyamorous affair with with their their careers careers. yeah right (laughs) it really is about like this this business and like i think less the creative stuff and more the business stuff is what gets in between people and the way that we more so than the way that we regard creating things. It's more how we regard the business aspects of this stuff that I think is where we really differ. That's true. That's true. Definitely. I think that's, I think really kind of like, I haven't seen a show that's like super realistic about like the actual business of show business. Well, I also think, you know, as, you know, we've come up, right? Like, even since we wrote this, there have been so many more new experiences, right? Like, the move to L.A. is its own animal and what that did to our relationship. You know, as I start to get more opportunities on camera 
as we start to be recognized as Andrew, you know, people will call Andy Jubu in these streets and he's like, <laughs> hello, my name is Andy. Or, you know, like, people like even that kind of, this is know. newer because as the podcast has gotten bigger, but like people recognize me now on my own. It used to be that like we, they would see us together and recognize us, but like they will recognize me and that's a little jarring where like, I don't know how to react exactly. And yeah, so there are new aspects to this that, you know, we only know how to process through pilots, okay? Okay, we have feelings, <laughs> we have thoughts, we have got to write it down, 36 pages or less. <laughs> and Hey, it's the streaming era. Oh, yeah, it could be more than yeah, 36, 36 pages. 36 pages, that's, that's nothing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it, it does feel like, yeah, there is time there, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's a tricky dance. It's a definitely tricky dance. It, it's definitely not something we're going to force, you know? And how does the podcast, does it serve as sort of a, a source of inspiration for the writing? Are there things that come up as you're doing this, talking to so many people about relationships? And um, are there pilot ideas that have sprung from that? I actually keep pitching the podcast as a way for Naomi to come up with material since especially in the COVID era, getting up on stage, isn't that isn't prevalent. As common. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think it's just like a way to like have fun with people that we like more than anything else. I do occasionally though, get ideas from the questions. Like when people call in with certain stories that are particularly, dynamic juicy so we say where i'm like oh my you know just you know and it's not necessarily even a story from for like oh let me do that as much as i'm like oh that's like a side character you could have that's an experience you could have it definitely gives me little bits because i think that i'm constantly thinking about how when i approach a subject how to wide how to um widen the world and make it feel dynamic outside of whoever you know your main characters are and sometimes we'll get some calls man where people say something where i'm like what <laughs> I'm like, this is happening to people right now as we speak. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, when you call in, we don't make you sign a waiver saying you allow us to use this in any and all written materials going forward. Do we have that in the voicemail, though? Maybe. There might be something know. in the voice. But no, I also would feel weird, like, using someone else's story without their permission. Of course. So, I don't. Well, I, it gets my gears turning. It really does. It is. Well, it's, it's, it's a... They get, it gives us boundaries which which to have fun within, and so it does like get your brain moving. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if like specifically beyond the actual like, uh, I was gonna say physically, but like beyond the actual like pushing us out of whatever the inertia is that we're in. I see what you're saying. The actual act of recording. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't yeah. know if like <laughs> there are particular ideas that come out of it. Right. But it is something you got to do that podcast, even if you're feeling inert. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I definitely learned from Naomi, which is like, no matter how you're feeling, the minute those mics go on, you better be on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it was it's such a good pilot. I love the cast. It's just, you know, every character is fun which is just you know a great the mom is fun the you know miriam the professor is so much fun craig it's just like it's a great world and you know just just a it's peopled really well and felt so specific um 
And oh, I don't know, you. I Thanks. loved hearing it. I hope you guys enjoyed you. playing those roles and hearing it read out mm-hmm. loud. Yeah, yes, it, it was, was really so fun. Nice. Yeah, it yeah. was great. I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Thank you so well, much, Andrew. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Andy. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. We will, of course, be back next month with another great Dead Pilot. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me uh, and Ben Blacker and our associate producer, Noah Finling. It is edited by Jordan Katz. Will you do me a favor? Will you just leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts? Because that just really helps. And then when you're done with that, or instead of that, you can just have to do one favor. Will you tell a friend about this podcast, someone who you think might enjoy listening to the table reads or listening to the interviews? Uh, spread the word. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. Until next time, I am Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.